0: Welcome to Drive Time Marketing. This is where we talk to marketers about what they're doing today to drive results. Drive Time Marketing is sponsored by M Partners. All the tools, resources, and flexibility of a big agency. All the attention and creativity of a boutique shop. Hello everyone and welcome to Drive Time Marketing. Tips, tricks, and tools to bring your marketing to new and great destinations. I'm Julia Carcamo, and joining me today is someone who I find personally fascinating. And to tell the truth, I've been trying to see what his secret ingredients is. So um, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and who you are, what you do.
1: Thanks, Julia. Uh, My name is Steve Owenski. I have, um, wow, I've pretty much done a lot, everything you can think of when it comes to advertising and marketing. Um, And that sounds uh, a little pompous, but that's not how I mean it. Um, I've worked in now marketing departments of three fortune 500 companies uh i've been at multiple ad agencies been a creative director and marketing director um somewhere along the way i became a forbes contributor and i'm going on my ninth year i think it is um i've written for ad age ad week um espn uh, a lot of different publications across a lot of different verticals and industries um it's been quite the whirlwind of, of my career, to say the least. Well,
0: it's been fun watching it. Um, and like I said earlier, I'm actually a little jealous of it. But uh, I think back and I realized our fir- paths first crossed about 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Right. So you were a writer mm-hmm. on our brand new agency. Mm-hmm. And primarily, you your work was in writing casino Advertisements, casino PR pieces, right? Correct. So yeah. now you are—you've gone from uh, promotional copywriting for casino ads to Forbes contributor. <laughs> That's quite the
1: path. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? Like you know, if I had a dime for every time I heard that story, right? <laughs> well, it was—it was—it was, it was, um, it was uh, what's the word? Uh, the journey was quite uh, quite unique and fun. Um, a lot of challenges, a lot of uh, roadblocks to overcome, as you can imagine, um, going from that to to where I am today and um, working for Oracle right now, you know doing content for them all the while being a Forbes contributor um, and writing for all the other pubs and doing speaking and asked uh, to uh, to appear on these kinds of programs. And getting named to the list of influential writers and journals, it's it's been surreal for for someone like me, especially when, and I don't know if you even know this, um, one, I didn't graduate college. And two, which is even more astonishing to some people, I've never taken a writing course in my life. And when people ask me, how do you explain that? I I can't. I was just speaking to college kids um, about two months ago here in Philly. And I said, I, you know, if you're religious, maybe it's an epiphany. Um, I, I don't, I, I can't explain it. Um, the one thing I'll say, and I told them is um, I had my number one supporter, my wife um, cheering me on and without her, I'm not sitting there. It's that simple.
0: Great. That's interesting. So um, now I remember um, when you were at the agency, you know, you were something, and I guess this was probably the beginning of this of the using of this term. But you were a bit of a thought leader just in the in the agency field, and now you see many companies taking this route. Companies like Oracle, like you're you're at it. I mean, there's not a lot of companies that really have the kind of um, forward thinking approach to think about how they tell their stories and hiring actual writers to tell them. As opposed to hiring a copywriter, which is a little bit of a different skill set,
1: it, it totally is, and that's a great point. Um, and I'm I'm sure I'm not going to sit here and say I was ahead of my time, um, but I kind of you kind of saw the future a little bit mm-hmm. when when blogging first came into into vogue, um, right. which seems like a billion years ago. Forget about a million; it's a billion years ago um, as a way to engage your audience and tell stories. Um, now, like you said, nowadays it's, it's, it's commonplace, right? Um, nowadays the challenge is to have those people on staff. Um, and and there's a difference between copywriting and writing or creative writing, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't, I haven't written copy, you know, in, in the true sense for a long time. Um, I miss it sometimes, but I'm sure I could do it again. It's like riding a bike, but. Nowadays, you know, it's blog posts, it's ebooks, it's white papers, it's all those different things um, that I do now that manifest itself as content um, that's completely, completely different than it was when you and I first met 10 years ago, even five years ago. To today, you see every biggest brand, you know, Red Bull is always thrown out there and Coca Cola as brands that truly, quote unquote, get it when it comes to content and telling stories. And they are. And a, a big mistake I still see brands making um, when it comes to content and storytelling is they try to squeeze in a sales pitch into a, into a story. And it, it, it just drives me crazy um, because, you know, the consumer is in control. The consumer has been in control for a couple years now, and that's not going to change forever, quite frankly. And I think there's still a lot of that old guard still around. Um, in the ivory towers that either don't want to see the, the forest through the trees kind of thing or are just adamant and arrogant um, that their way is the right way.
0: Right. I do, I do see that a lot. You know, you, you have to think about, um, not to throw out buzzwords, but you do have to think about your, your personas, the people who are your target uh, customers and clients and sort of where they are along this journey. So are they consuming their con- your content um, when they're just starting to become aware of a situation, or are they in the consideration stage or are they really finally ready to make a decision?
1: Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and with technology today, um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm at Oracle, but with technology today, you, you know, brands can see a lot more than they could before mm-hmm. of where someone is on that path. And then when you factor in the, the, the added bonus of technology today, can marry offline and online data to get that really one single view of a consumer. That's really powerful stuff. But with that power comes responsibility. And the responsibility is, all right, you know this much about me, then you better be sending me content that's relevant and germane to me. Couldn't
0: agree with you more.
1: Because if you don't, you know, the consumer is a lot smarter than people think they are. Right? So if you send me something for an ad for something I literally just bought two minutes ago, for example, what do you think that's going to do to me mm-hmm. going forward when I think about your brand? Right. So, it's it's there. You're right. Um, the path is is incredibly complicated now. Um, people use multiple channels before making a purchase. Offline, online, all the different mobile devices. Of course, we all have. You know, we're all you know embedded in our in our. <laughs> I think it would be embedded if some people would physically let them do it. Um, you got to be able to know, and that data is there. Technology is there. So it's either, again, but I kind of the same principle I talked about before, it's either laziness, incompetence, ignorance, one of those, because there's really no reason not to know a, a lot about me as a consumer to be able to give me what I want and when I want it.
0: You know, we've been working on this um, series on the modern marketer and the ecosystem, and data is one of the things that we've been discussing because now, so, you know, it used to be that it was really hard to get data and you didn't really know a lot. And now there's just this deluge of data that you have available to you and how you get through it and how you interpret it and then how it impacts your marketing approach is, is truly the key to the modern marketer, right? So it's no longer selling a message, sending it out. It's understanding what's out there and then developing the appropriate approach.
1: Yeah, you know, and and part of me doesn't want to use the phrase (laughs) big data um, because talk about an overuse cliche, Um, but you know as well as I do, that was the the big buzzword Mm -hmm. um, around the water cooler a couple years ago. Um, And it it was true, and it is true, and will remain true because we're going to get even more data. Think about IoT. Think about all the data that IoT is going to be generating. And it already is, and our cars are generating data, and and every it's amazing. Our appliances are generating data, so it's it's it is absolutely a deluge. Your word is perfect. Um, that a lot of brands are still overwhelmed, right, by all that data. So then you can take two choices as far as, far as I can see. So you can take two choices: one, you deal with it head on, and you bring in you you, you start using like a um, a DMP or you know, data, a data management platform, um, or you just keep going down the path you've always gone and use name and address and, you know, all the same old right. crap that we used a million years ago. And then you sit back and if you go down that path and then you wonder why your results aren't that good. Right. And, so then you, we, and then, of, and then of course you blame marketing, <laughs> right? Cause we're always to blame.
0: Or you blame sales, right? I guess it just depends on what department you're
1: in. <laughs> depends on who you ask, right.
0: So, now the, that marketer has, you know, gathered this knowledge, has interpreted the knowledge, and now it's time to, to share this knowledge. So, so we get, you know, back to this development of content. Um, how do you, I mean, you're somebody who's gone from blogging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then to blogging for the company that you worked with, mm-hmm. which was the agency, and now you're you're this contributor on so many sites, and a lot of our um, listeners understand that um, putting, you know, sharing your knowledge and think in creating that content is great. Um, but a lot of times, getting that content on on sites or publications that have more authority than you can actually help you. So it's not so much now. You know, we've gone from this process of. Uh, putting everything all over the place and then hiding it all in your own website and now you understand that your website is the core but how you distribute your content to other sites and other authorities help you so um, you've been a contributor you you know you mentioned some of these ad week ad age um, I know that I've read some of your writings of course on Forbes mm-hmm. uh, marketing prof social media today how do Content developers do that. How do they get to that stage in their efforts, and and what's what's you know one of the ways that they can get to those organizations to create their content and share it there?
1: Yeah, it's it's a uh, and this probably won't surprise you. It's a question I get asked a lot, um, particularly Forbes. Like, how did you get started in Forbes? And and you'd be amazed how many people I'll get um, asked to. Um, to get in Forbes and they have no track record before that. And that's one, one of the first things I, I tell them is, um, or I ask or I look them up kind of thing and kick their tires is okay, where have you written before? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, ne- if you've only written for your own blog or on LinkedIn to make that leap to a Forbes is more than likely not going to happen. So you start on smaller sites, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I don't mean to denigrate sites by saying smaller, But you know what I mean in terms of uh, a marketing land, a marketing props, a social media today um, to build up your your kind of your street cred Mm. to get get into Old Forbes. Now, the way I started and 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 I preach this to everybody is um, I was sitting in my office. I was at the agency that uh, you and I worked together at, creative director at the agency, and I was reading. This is. I mean, I years ago, um, reading at age as we all do or used to do, at least the physical copy. Right. <laughs> and, um, I decided, I figured what the hell I'm going to email the editor, um, to see if I could write for at age. I've written for the company blog. You know, I started my own blog, real small stuff, but my thought was, what do I have to lose? So I got his name. Um, sent him an email. Um, it was very, my style of writing, uh, which is very important to establish that voice. You hear that a lot. And some people go, I don't know what my voice is. And my answer to that is, if you don't know what your voice is, keep right. writing. Mm-hmm. You, will, you will find it. Mine is extremely conversational, uh, self-deprecating humor. I'll, you know, I'll throw in a lot of pop culture references. I just talk. I mean, I write the way people talk. I didn't sit out that way. It just came to me naturally. So I sent the editor an email. I don't remember what the subject line, but I'm sure it was very tongue-in-cheek. My email was very tongue-in-cheek. Within a half an hour, I had an email back. Hey, Steve, as you can imagine, I get thousands of emails a day. Uh, Yours made it through. I read it. I loved it. What do you want to write about? And within a month, I had something written and published in the, in the printed, copy, printed uh, version of Ad Age. Uh, led to another one. Led to Ad Week. And probably within a year from that, uh, I approached Forbes and said, hey, I have this, here's what I've written, Ad Agent Ad Week, I'd love to write for Forbes, literally the rest is history. And then once I got in Forbes, then all the other sites kind of started falling into place and people, me either going to them to want to spread my wings or more often than not, Sites coming to me saying, "Would you want to write for us?"
0: Right?
1: Or can we syndicate your stuff because of Forbes? And it's gotten to the point now where I I literally have to really be real selective, um, where I don't have time to write original stuff for every site. So if someone wants to syndicate my stuff, for example, I normally say fine, just as long as you put a you know a reciprocal link back, uh, an attribution link back. That's fine. Um, but to do original, uh, content is really tough for me right now, these days, as you can imagine. But it literally started with me just taking five minutes, sending an email and going from there. Now, of course, that's no guarantee that everybody sends an email. Um, I might've caught the editor at a good time. I email, you know, the style I wrote it in. I don't write form letters. I've never written form letters. I don't write dear, you know, editor. I got his name, it was personalized, all those old-school Marketing 101 things. And that was it. I mean, it sounds very simplistic, and in a lot of ways it is. But then I had to, you know, once Forbes gave me my column, well, then I had to produce. And I'm fortunate enough that uh, I'm prolific, and I can write fairly quickly. Compared to other writers, at least what at least that's what other writers tell me. To me, I don't even realize it. I just write, um, but I'm able to generate uh, a lot of content in a short amount of time without sacrificing quality.
0: Well, I tell you, somebody once—somebody we both know—once said that I was prolific, but you are prolific, buddy. <laughs> what kind of production schedule do you do you maintain? What? How do you organize yourself?
1: Well, at Oracle, we have a we have a calendar. We have an editorial calendar that we adhere to. We have to do that. There's just so much. There's so many moving parts um, between the blog uh, and and the eBooks and the white papers and research stuff that we're working on, and you know, longer form content. So that's a given. We have to have you know that kind of structure. At Forbes, believe it or not, I just kind of go on my own. And when I come across either something that I'm interested in writing about, Mm -hmm. I'll find it myself, or of the 25, 35, 45 uh, emails I get a day um, from PR, from public relations folks, um, pitching me on different story ideas. And if, if one of them or two of them catch my eye, then I'll pursue that and write about that. There's no shortage of of fodder for me at all when it comes to content for Forbes and the other outlets I write for. It's literally a matter of time um, to compartmentalize. Okay, I'm going to write about this, this day, this, this day. And again, I I don't take for granted at all my ability to just kind of put my head down and bang through an article and and get it done and move to the next one. But a lot of what I rely on now is relationships. Right, And what I mean by that is I have a lot of good relationships with not just with, with PR folks who work with big brands, who work with research firms, but I have a lot of good relationships and you know this as well as anybody with a lot of CMOs, a lot of C-level right. people at a lot of different brands, a lot of Fortune 100 and 500 brands, that those open lines of communication goes both ways. Meaning, if they have something that, the, that that's, is coming up, a new campaign or a new story then they'll let me know. So I can get an exclusive that way because of the relationships I've established over the course of my career. And that of course doesn't happen overnight to, to get to that level uh, of, of people in my quote unquote Rolodex, which I'm sure people listening to this may not, some people don't even know what a Rolodex is, but um, that's a whole other story. <laughs> my address book, my contact list, right? Um, but that's 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 kind of how um, I'm I'm at with Forbes. It's I don't have a set schedule, which may surprise some people. I just kind of wing it, and I know what I want to write it about. And if it's timely, then I'll prioritize it. If it's not, I'll get to it when I get to it. But there's no shortage. It's just this never ending machine, basically. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, you. Um. I just as a side note, I have to keep myself a little bit more organized. So I use a, a spreadsheet and I asked actually also um, upload the spreadsheet to my calendar. So, so when I'm looking at my calendar, which I look at 15, 20 times a day, there's always something there that reminds me that I have to write something. And every once in a while, I just sort of block out some time on my calendar, disconnect the phone and say, I'm just going to have to, you know, put my head down and start working. But I use Evernote
1: mm-hmm. because
0: I get a lot of those same ideas. And a lot of times I'll read an article and I'll say, you know, I'll find this little nugget in there that makes me want to expand on it a little bit more, or maybe is tied to another idea that I had. So a lot of times, I'll clip it and paste it into you know a note in Evernote, and um, you know, if, and then in those times when I'm when I am trying to think of a topic, I can just scroll through my Evernote notes and see you know what was interesting before that I that I might you know write about or what ties into a, an overall theme that I'm working on.
1: Oh yeah, no, look, I'll 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 write myself notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um because I can't remember everything, absolutely. I know a lot of people use Evernote. I'll just use the notes feature maybe on my Mac. Right. Or I'll just start a Word doc or yeah, I mean I especially as as I get older. <laughs> it's you know, you don't or I'll bookmark something, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I can't possibly remember everything.
0: It seems when you were telling your story about how you get your content, um, it seems like a big lesson in your life is a, is a big lesson that I live by. And that's about building relationships.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is, um, you know, it's funny when I, when I, when I interview somebody now and I've done this probably 99% of my interviews, meaning the only time I didn't, was when I first started, when I first started interviewing somebody, um, I started, you know, I'd get on the phone with them, Uh, and start writing notes. And I can remember to this day, um, two things happening. One, I was distracted. And two, I couldn't read my own writing. So I got done the interview. I'm like, what the hell? I I can't. I got got to go back to them and ask them again. I look like an idiot, right? Hmm. And so what I quickly learned was when I interview somebody, I tell them right up front, I'm sitting here, you know, I I have the luxury of working from home. So I'm sitting here normally in in shorts and a t-shirt and a pair of sneakers and my, you know, omnipresent cup of coffee. And what we're going to have now is what I lovingly refer to as an old school conversation. And I'll say, what I mean by that is I'm not taking notes. We're not Snapchatting. We're not texting. We're not doing any of that. We're literally just two people engaging in a conversation and Julia to a person. Never have I ever had anybody say, you know what? No, that's not going to work. I'd rather you, yeah. every single person at every level you can imagine, the CEO of the biggest companies in the world. I love that, Steve. It's so refreshing. It's so unique. It's so different. And I'm not saying this to praise myself. It's just what I want to do. And I want to, and, and what, what I'm getting to is that then helps me establish that relationship, relationship. Yeah, because a lot of times we'll talk about com- stuff completely off. From what the topic, meaning family, uh, sports, the weather, politics, whatever the case may be, because everybody just wants to have a conversation. Everybody just wants to talk. Right. And these are folks and, you know, because you've lived that life where you're going a million miles 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 a minute.
0: minute. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And to just have an open conversation, we're laughing, we're joking, you know, and my personality, I think, lends itself really well to that. So those relationships are forged right there in that initial conversation that I'll carry now for the rest of my life. And they know they can trust me. They know if they need anything, because here's the other thing too, is, and you know, this people move around. So people go to different jobs and different companies. So if I'm talking to a CMO of one company today, he can be the CMO of a different company tomorrow who I don't have a relationship with that company, but now I do. Or if I can help them in any way. Right. Right. So it's those, it's a very much a two way street, but it's establishing those relationships right up front. The second we start talking, um, I'll tell them I'm not taking any notes. It's off the record. You can say whatever you want. Right. And they know they can trust me. And going forward, that is, I cannot overstate the importance of that. But establishing those relationships is so key.
0: So we are unfortunately getting close to the end of our time together, and um, I was going to ask you to give our listeners one tip, trick, or tool they can put into action in place today. And it seems like you've given us about twenty. <laughs> but do you have one that you'd like to throw in there?
1: You know, I, I do, and and this is the ultimate cliche, but I don't care. Um, it, it is it is absolutely be yourself, because um, I got in my early in my career when I started writing the way I write, I've had, I should have saved this. I had an English professor once leave me a voicemail, just ripping me to shreds for the way I write and the King's English and my grammar. And just, I should have saved it. I really should have saved it. And I didn't. And when I first heard it, I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing wrong? You know, you start getting like this inferior art complex. And then I was like the hell with that, you know, as, as my page views go up and people are telling me, you know, how great it is and things like that, that was kind of the enlightenment of going, all right, this is my voice. This is who I am. This is how I write. And and this is who I'm going to be. And if people don't like it, you know, it is that age old, you know, this is me, take it or leave it. But it's really that simple. And I understand it's different when you're 25 and you're trying to make a name for yourself and you, you don't want to be, Uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all when you're 25 and you, yes, you have to listen to your bosses. You have to do all that, but you got to be true to yourself. I cannot overstate that. It's so such a cliche, Julia. And I know you know what I mean because you're going to get told a million different things, how you should be, how you shouldn't be, what you should say, what you shouldn't say. Right. Right. Look, my mouth has gotten me in trouble more than a few times. And that could be for a separate time. And I have no problem telling those kinds of stories. But that, that's just who I am. You like know? Good,
0: good branding, right? You have to be authentic.
1: I'm, I'm authentic. And the, the one, and I know we got to run, but the, the, thing, the, the anecdote I always use is if you don't want an answer, don't ask me a question.
0: Yeah. So um, before we wrap up, tell us how our listeners can keep up with you, contact you, see what you're writing.
1: Sure. Um, uh, a, a Twitter it's at Steve Olensky. So it's S T E B E O L E N S K I. And my, my email is very simple. It's just Steve Olenski at yahoo.com. Um, you, you Google my name, uh, you know, Forbes comes up, uh, I'm sure primarily, mm-hmm. but a bunch of other sites. Um, I am really uh, very accessible. Um, if someone wants to email me or reach out to me through Twitter, I will be absolutely more than happy to help anybody. I'm a huge proponent of paying it forward uh, and helping people because I got a lot of help along my way. And I know sometimes it can be a struggle. If there's anything, anybody listening to this wants to talk or just ask me a question, I'll be more than happy to help.
0: Well, uh, I have to tell you that last week, two weeks ago, I was at a conference in Virginia McDowell, who's head of the global gaming women um, mentioned one of the leadership skills and lessons is while you reach up reach back so as you're going up you need to reach back and help you know bring those others
1: with you absolutely yeah. i love that it's a great lesson
0: yeah uh so thank you steve again for the time this morning thanks everybody for listening we'll have links to steve um, on the show notes at www.jcarcamoassociates.com slash drivetime marketing until next time Thank you for joining us on Drive Time Marketing. To leave us a review, visit our website at jaykarkamooassociates.com slash drivetime-marketing. Drive Time Marketing is sponsored by M-Partners, practicing the science of why. Why walking through your doors is completely different than walking through your competitor's door. Find out more about M-Partners at mpartners.com. Until next time, keep driving towards your goals with great marketing.